This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. I'm going to start at verse 6. It talks about how David and his men have been raided at Ziglag and the enemy had came and take their children, um, their wives, everything and all their stuff. And they come back to the camp. When the men and the warriors come back to the camp, everybody is grieved. It's hard to tell people where to go, what to do when people are grieved. Grieving the loss of things, grieving the loss of um, loved ones and things. I don't know if you ever just, not just loved ones, but also things. I know we uh, try not to put um, priority in things over Christ, but we can't not act as if things don't have value. Sometimes the loss of a job can take you into a deep place. The loss of status, the loss of the ability to do, the loss of the mobility in your body. If you ever go through a health situation and you don't have the functioning of your limbs and do the things you can, you can be sad over remembering that you were once a star athlete and you could do this and you can do that. And now you need help walking. You need support getting out of bed. If you're not careful, basic things of life can cause you to grieve, cause you to grieve. I've lost a hard drive, a uh, 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 computer, USB equipment that stores data and information. I lost one and I, had, I, was, I was upset. I had all types of books that I was still writing. On that hard drive. I had songs that I had written on that hard drive. And I ain't talking about songs that you just, you know, I'm talking about songs that I got from the heavens and brought down to the earth. I couldn't repeat it unless I'm in that heavenly place. Never heard the words put together, never heard the phrase so eloquently put together. Had it all on this hard drive. And people were like, Pastor Joe, it's just a hard drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you understand creativity, that's millions of dollars. Revelation changes life. So we can't act like there's not even value in things. I want to say that because sometimes we try to belittle what people emotionally go through because of what they have lost. When they are grieving. And grieving is a process that God wants you to go through. It's not a process to rebuke. It's not a process to reject. It's not a process to get in your mind that I'm better than this. I'm so full of the Holy Ghost, I don't grieve. Grieving is a process of humanity where the soul is trying to find out what it lost and find new definition to life again based on what has occurred in one's life. And so grieving out something that you need to rebuke, it's something you need to go through. David and his men here are grieving. 
They're grieving to the point that they don't even want their leader anymore. I do have to say you have to caution yourself while you're grieving. Because you may give up on things that's God ordained. When you're grieving, your, your view is skewed. When you're grieving, you don't really uh, perceive all the things proper. When you're grieving, you even miss people telling you, you look good today. Oh, I like that on you. You miss it because your mind is somewhere else. You miss the beauty of the sun when you're grieving. You miss the beauty of the day when you're grieving. You miss all the other things that could be blessing to you when you're grieving. David and his men are grieving. David cries with his men. And then grieving goes to another place that sometimes you have to monitor it. Now it goes into anger and bitterness and resentment. And that's when grieving can get dangerous. It can get dangerous. You got to really manage it, monitor that point. Because now, now, now they want to stone David. We've lost everything behind you. Following your crazy self. Talking about you a warrior. Now forget that David had already won a whole bunch of battles. But when you start grieving, you, you forget previous victories. When you, when you start grieving, you forget that God was good two years ago. Or when you start grieving, you, you forget all the wonderful other things that has occurred in your life. Because the moment, the thing you're grieving over magnifies itself to a point that it'll make you think that no future days are going to be good again. There is nothing else that's better to live and aim for because the thing you're grieving over will magnify itself to a point that nothing Nothing else seems important. Grieving can make you forget there are still people who love you. There are people who still value your time. People who still need your smile. Grieving can make you forget your giftedness, your creativity, your grace, your anointing, your calling. David is grieving. His men are grieving. David pulls himself out of this place of grief. And no, it wasn't in my notes, but it was for somebody in the Holy Ghost. Nowhere in my notes. David fights through the grief to press himself through it. He encourages himself, but look at verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. David said, Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me the ephod, which is the priestly garment, like a girdle. And the Abathar brought thither the ephod to David, a girdle. Everybody know what a girdle is, right? All right. It holds things together. It makes things look better. It shaped things up, pulled things up. A girdle. A girdle. When you really want to be your best, but you are not at your best, you're not quite there yet. But you need to get in some type of structure and format to even just kind of prophesy where you're going. Give me a girdle. I'm not there yet, but I'll tell 
tell you if I keep on doing these crunches and these pull-ups and I keep on walking through these processes this is what I'm gonna look like I'm not there yet but this girdle is prophesying what I can be tell somebody give me a girdle Oh, you ain't saying that. There's times in your life where you are out of shape, all over the place. Your emotions are all over the place. You're angry. You're bitter. You don't know what's going on. There are times you got to tell me, tell somebody, give me a girdle. I can't break down right now. I got to tighten these emotions up. I got to tighten myself. I cannot go into work looking like I'm not blessed. I know I'm tired and I'm frustrated, but give me a girdle today. I ain't saying nothing. Don't feel like it. Don't say nothing to me. Give me a girdle. Give me a girdle. David says, I need this ephod because I can't afford to lose right now I can't do it give me this ephod so I can get myself together after I brought thither the ephod to David here it is First. David inquired at the Lord David began to pray this means everything everybody say prayer, prayer. means everything what you do after calamity means everything. See, the devil will come to you and say, you done lost the people now, you might as well just go crazy. You, might, you done did this. There are times after even mess ups, the devil come tempt you and say, just do this and do that. You done messed up with God. You done messed up. Your family don't like you. And the devil takes you to the edge and tries to push you overboard. So what you do after tragedy, after calamity, after setback means everything. David inquired of the Lord. David said, I'm about to pray. He said, I'm about to talk to God. Oh, I got a solution. The least, I believe the first step in solution finding is talking to God. The first step. He said, what I'm about to do, I don't know what the best possible outcome can be, but I'm about to talk to God about this thing. I don't know what I can get. Out of, I don't know what can happen out of losing all of this and people turning their back on me and people calling me all kind of names and not trusting me anymore. I don't know what I can do with this, but maybe if I bring this to God, we'll see what God can do with this situation. He prayed to God, asked the Lord, shall I pursue after this truth? I love this. I'll, I'll teach this about a hundred times. See, we don't think prayer is a place of permission. Yeah, you talking to God, but it's also a place of permission. It's a place where you get instruction and you get authority to function. He said, shall I pursue? I like that. See, some of us think because we save and Holy Ghost feel and the devil done took my stuff, I'm going to get my stuff. I'm about to go up and get my stuff. I record in Numbers 14 that the people had decided in Numbers 14 that we can go fight any day we want to fight. <laughs> 
they was rebellious all those other days Mo, and, and Moses was telling them let's go into the land that the Lord gave them and they say we about to go up he said no and do not go up do not go up they, they went on head anyway and God wasn't with them and they got their behind beat down So being saved is not a license to do what you want to do when you say you're going to do it. It's not a time for you to say, I'm saved. I'll just do what I want to do and God better back me up. You will find out that you will do some things in God's name and God won't be with you. You better learn to get permission. Don't you be walking the halls without no permission slip. Huh? I believe it's right for David to get his stuff back. But David said, I'm not just interested in just going over there. I want to go. I need help, and I want to go at the right time. Because timing can mean everything. I don't want to just go. Sometimes, and that's why I said you need a girdle, because sometimes you got to control yourself at the most vulnerable moments. I know I made everybody upset when I said last week, don't grab a chair. I know I made everybody upset in my message when I said, don't grab a chair. I didn't say there's not a time to fight back. I didn't say there ain't a time to stand up for justice. No, I spoke to the end part of the, the medley in Alabama and I said, don't grab a chair because that's the point I was making of practicing restraint. There's some times that you still have to practice restraint even when you have been done wrong. I know it. I know it. It's not a popular message that nobody will tell you to practice restraint even when you've been done wrong, but you better learn how to practice some level of restraint in your life. David didn't just go after them. He said, I'm going to talk to God about this situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him. Tell somebody, God, I answer. Lord, help me. Pursue. Keyword, pursue. Go. For thou shalt overly, uh, surely overtake them and without fail recover. I want to pause before I get to the rest of it. Who would have thought that losing all you lost and then talking to God about it, that God says, you're going to get it all back. Who would have thought? See, what I'm trying to say is, there are some things you don't know because you hadn't prayed about it. You don't know what the outcome could be because you hadn't talked to God about those things. There are certain things we don't even talk to God about. Know why? Because we big and bad, I don't say it. I ain't talking to God about this at all. I, I got this. I got this. You better be careful when you start getting that attitude that you don't need God, you're going to make yourself into a worse situation. Man, not just need him, sometimes just want him, desire him, want to follow his way, want to take his yoke upon you and learn of him and follow him. There's times when we're in most difficult situations, the truth of the matter, we do not want to follow God. We don't want to follow him. Mm Mm-mm. What? Apologize? <laughs> so you can get in prayer about a situation that done happened between you and somebody and the Holy Spirit will be telling you to apologize. 
Now you don't fix your emotions up that there's nothing possible in this scenario why you need to apologize. You don't fix this scenario up real good and you don't call one of your best friends who have a problem with forgiveness and talk to them about it. And they, and they done amped you up even more that you don't even see where you had a potential aspect or a hand in the situation not going the way it could have been. And when God tells you to apologize, see what I'm trying to tell you, when you start talking to God, God will start processing you in his presence. When you start talking to God, he'll start processing your mind and processing the situation and he may and and prayer may, should result and I don't understand this I really don't understand I just don't and I have to teach it this way because I just don't understand how you can shout dance preach praise prophesy and do people wrong and it has not resulted in apology I just don't under and I will never understand it you are not right in the spirit you are not properly seeking the Lord because if you were properly seeking the Lord you may be functioning in your gift but you're out of error you're in error you're out of order because there's no way in the right spirit of humility and proper character that you've done somebody wrong and know you have know you have and think you're gonna preach over this prophesy over this no you hurt me and your acknowledgement of your wrongdoing is important to me listening to you come on somebody come on somebody that God while David is in this time of prayer God responds that he's going to recover all. Let's read. So David went, he and 600 men that were with him, and they came to the brook of Besor, where there those that were left behind stayed. Some people were tired, but David pursued. He and 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so faint they could not go over to the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, gave him bread, and he did eat. They made him drink water. Talked about that late last week. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to help people get through what they got to get through. No, you're going you're gonna to eat this food. You're going to drink this water. Because it's a part of your strategy for a comeback. They gave him a piece of cake of figs, two clusters of raisins. And we had eaten, his spirit came again. To him, for he had eaten no bread and drunk neither, drunk uh, nor drunk any water three days, three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? Whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. My master left me. Three days ago I fell sick. And he made an and we made an invasion upon the south of the Cherodites and upon the coast belonging to Judah and upon the south of Caleb. We burned Ziglag with fire. David is actually talking to a resource who knows what his stuff is. You would have never got that not practicing restraint. You'd have never got that not wearing the ephod. You'd have never got it. You never got it. Matter of fact, like I said before. David and his men would have killed the Egyptian. God may use somebody you, you may not like. You better be careful out here. God may use somebody you really don't care for. 
You got to be careful out here. You never know where God's going to put your blessing. You got to be careful. Here's an Egyptian in the field. This is about evangelism as well. This is about compassion as well. He's already been dropped off by his masters when he looked like he's not going to be anything. What's, what, what has happened in the life of David, it backdrops into the life of the Egyptian. It's really the same situation, but in a different process. David has been raided. He got into the presence of God. God told him what he can be, what he can become. Now David is walking in his authority, walking in his power, walking in his creativity, walking in his calling. While walking in his calling, he meets somebody just like him. One of the reasons that God changes us in prayer is so that we can start meeting people who was once just like us. by the Egyptian because when he looks at the Egyptian feeble and weak and barely making it it reminds him of where he once was it reminds, I, I, I'm pushing real hard for purpose today I'm pushing real hard for your calling to come forth I'm pushing real David said I cannot bypass this Egyptian because when I see him I see me that I was water away from breakthrough. I was raisins away from a turnaround. I was figs away, away. If somebody would just have fed me, if somebody feeds me, I would grow. And, and David says, and his men says, we're going to feed you find out what your purpose is we're gonna put you in the right environment and his spirit comes back and David begin to talk to him and says uh, who are you he says hey I know where your stuff is right. <laughs> yes. I know where your stuff is he said he says I know your stuff is but don't kill me don't kill me now I know where your stuff is and, and I and I'm guilty as well because I was there, but don't kill me. Because I can help you get your stuff. That's verse 15. David said, hey, can, can you bring me down to this company? He said, I swear unto God that thou would neither kill me nor deliver me. I like this. I'm, God, I might as well say it since I'm right here. Even as the Egyptian is coming back, we can see that Egyptian is skillful. So you got to be careful when you're helping other people that you don't treat them like they ain't got no skill set. That you treat them that like they ain't nobody. You better be careful. God may be using you to help them, but, but trust me, they're only in a temporary season. Don't treat them like they ain't ever gonna be nothing or they're not somebody. As soon as they feed this man, give him water, his gifting kick in. His resource. He said, wait a minute. I got what you want. But you can't get it until we negotiate. Negotiating skills. He said, no, no, no. I'm not going to give you this information until you promise not to kill me. Huh? He said, no, mm -mm, let's talk about this. You want your stuff back, I heard. Let's slow this thing down. I need something and you need something. Negotiation skills. Mm-hmm. He said, can you bring me down? He said, he tell him everything about it. Verse 15. 15, I already said 15, yeah. 
15, David came to stop bring me down to this company. He swear unto God, swear unto me by God that thou wouldn't need to kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. In another way, I don't want to go back. Listen to this. Some of y'all got to say, I don't want to go back. Everybody say, I don't want to go back. He says, look. This Egyptian says, look. What's happening between me and you and David is my escape as well. Because I ain't going back under nobody who used me up and dropped me off at my worst points. I'm not going back. Don't, whatever you, I don't, I don't want to go back. Don't kill me. Neither bring me back to my master. I was sick. All, and what the Bible said, the Egyptian is basically saying, all I was was sick. I was sick and they dropped me off and left me in the wood for three days. And that's how y'all found me. And he brought them down. Behold, they were spread abroad on the earth, eating, drinking, and dancing. The devil thought he had won. But look what happens to people who pray. Surprise the devil. Because all the great spoil. <laughs> Tell somebody you about to surprise the devil. They had taken, uh, because all the great spoil they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. They celebrate. Oh, we, we done got over on the saints. We done got their stuff. We got her now. She ain't getting out of this. We got him now. Uh, they ain't getting out of this. And it says, 17, and, they, and David smoked them from the twilight even until the evening to the next day. And there escaped not a man of them. Say 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. So David beat them down all day long. And David recovered all that Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil or anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. I want you to understand what's happening here is what you are able to do when you have an encounter with God. Prayer is a part of the encounter with God. There are some things that God wants to bring to your life. There are some things that God wants to bring full circle. But these things happen by you being in the presence of God and you having an encounter with God. An encounter with God. An encounter with God will flush and cleanse your soul. Oh, you need an encounter to get rid of all the bitterness and the anger and the frustration. You need an encounter with God. An encounter with God will help you have fresh perspective. Come on, fresh perspective. Who would have known in this situation that David and his men was about to see the goodness of God? Prophesy to your neighbor and tell him you're going to see his goodness. <laughs> Who would have known that they was about to see his goodness? After a terrible raid. But because they had an encounter with God. They received instruction that was life changing. What I'm believing God in your life and what God is trying to do. I believe we're in a time where we're going to see transfers, exchanges, affirmation, transformation, restoration. And it's all going to happen in the presence of God. You're going to go into the presence of God one way and come out a whole nother person. You're going to go in the presence of God thinking one thing. But after he finished talking to you, speaking to you, telling you what you can do, what you can have, and where you can go. You're going to come out another person. God's presence is going to come on you so strong in the presence.
praise so strong in the worship when you walk out you're going to be different you're going to be a different husband you're going to be different wife you're going to be different man a different woman because of the encounter with God David was changed by the presence of God David was changed in the presence of God Let's go to Luke 3, 21 to 22. I got to show you about the encounter with God. How the anointing will come upon you and change you when you have an encounter with God. This is Luke 3. It's talking about the life of Jesus Christ. Verse 21 says, now when all the people were baptized. Everybody say baptisms. I'm believing God for baptisms that change our baptism schedules. I'm believing God for conversions, people changing their lives. I'm believing God for repentance. I'm believing God to say, I'm coming out of this. I'm coming to a new life. I'm believing God for baptisms left and right till we don't know what to do. We got to break up the Sundays to do baptism because we can't do it all in one Sunday. I'm believing God for transformations where people say, I'm coming out of this. I believe I'm better than this. I don't believe I ain't going to be having these habits all day, all year. I'm going to put pursue my destiny because I'm having an encounter with God come on somebody I'm believing people coming out of wrong relationships uh, come on coming out of uh, mis uh, uh, being mis uh, uh, misconstrued on who they are in their gender and what's going on in their sexuality come on there's something that happens in the presence of God presence of God encounter I know sometimes we need knowledge and knowledge will help us know but sometimes even after you know certain things you still feel a certain way but the presence the presence will come in and deal with the insides of you and deal with what has got rearranged in the storm and got rearranged in the molestation and got rearranged in the trouble of life and abandonment and when your father didn't call you and what happened on the inside the presence will go inside you and touch your heart and put that there and put that there encounters with God I'm believing God for encounters. People were being baptized and it came to pass that Jesus also was being baptized. Watch what happened. And praying, watch what happened. The heaven was open. Jesus even showing you how through the obedience he was participating in he was having an encounter with God. Pray, the heavens was open. And the Holy Ghost, verse 22, descended, came down in a bodily shape like a dove, the way they could describe it, and it came upon him. Something that you saw but couldn't totally describe. It was a spiritual manifestation of the presence of God coming upon Jesus and then there was a voice. Imagine being baptized with Jesus. Everybody else done got baptized. It's a good day at the baptism at the Jordan. And Jesus comes and when he get baptized, the presence comes. 
Then the presence comes, then the heavens are open, meaning there's something visibly different in the room now. Angels have filled the room. There's something visibly different in the room. And then after that, there's a voice from heaven which said, an audible voice which said, Thou art my beloved son. In thee, I am well pleased. I'm trying to tell you in the presence of God, there is a place where God will talk to you about your destiny and who you are. There's a place where God affirms who you are as a woman and affirms who you are as a man. That's why you could be different, but hold up your head because you know who you are. There's a place where God affirms your destiny, affirms your gifts, and God comes and affirms in the midst of everybody else. They say, we don't know who your daddy is. We don't know if it's Joseph the carpenter and some say you, your mama was pregnant by the Holy Ghost but in the midst of everybody and all their talk and all their accusations God speaks up. You don't know if you get in the presence of God God will speak to everybody else who you've been trying to speak to for years and trying to tell them who you are if you get in his presence he'll speak and he says this is my son my son affirmation he says my son in whom I am well pleased you may not like him but I do you may not care for him but I do you may not understand him but I do in other words he says he's mine he's my son affirmation the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Now turn to Luke 4. Follow me, Luke 4. Follow me. Luke 4. Luke 4. This is all happening in the presence. This is all happening as we have an encounter with God. Come on, Luke 4. Watch this. Then Jesus, just being baptized, the presence of God coming upon him, the Holy Spirit filling the room. Come on, God talking, affirming him. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1. Then it says, Then Jesus fall of the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan River and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. I'm going to keep teaching it till you get it. I'm going to keep teaching it. Whatever you are full of, you're going to be led by. If you're full of anger, you're going to be led by anger. If you're full of, of bitterness, you're going to be led by bitterness. But if you get full of the Spirit, then you can be led by the Spirit. People are saying, God, leave me. God, leave me. God, I don't know where to go. Just get full. If you get full, you'll get led. God, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Just get full of the Spirit. He gets full of the Spirit. And then he is led by whatever you're full of, you're going to be led by. That's why I'm talking about the presence of God has to process you. Because as long as you got all these other wrong emotions and wrong perspectives, you cannot be fully led by the Spirit. You cannot be fully led by the Spirit. Jesus is full of the Spirit. Now, when you're full of the Spirit, when I read the text, it say you were led in the wilderness. You got to be full of the Spirit. And obedient to now be led in the wilderness. Because I would not go in the wilderness in my own mindset once I get full of the Spirit. 
It ain't happening. But this is the important part. God fills you up to test you out. Oh, yeah. He's not interested in using things that's never been tested. He's not even, one of the reasons we buy products in the store is because many times it has what is called a seal of approval. It means before it hit the shelf, it went through the laboratory. Before it hit the shelf, somebody uh, evaluated this thing, scrutinized this thing, tested this thing, and made sure it can do what it's called to do. A part of being in the presence of God is God putting his hands on you and developing you and testing you many times when we get into a test what we try to do is say uh, it's just the devil but it's more than the devil it's God too it's not just the devil it's God too (laughs) Joseph said it in his story Joseph the patriarch says that the devil meant it for evil but God how could your life involve both God and the devil how can the processing of you becoming who God wants you to be be both God and the devil Joseph confessed he said the devil meant it for evil but how can God and the devil can be involved in the same thing Yeah, it is God that drives him into the wilderness to test him and to develop him and to also show forth on what the presence can do. So when Jesus is in the wilderness, he demonstrates, everybody say demonstrate. He demonstrates what it's like to not just uh, uh, be in the presence, but to live in the presence. In all three scenarios of the test and Luke chapter 4, Jesus doesn't get fancy. Can I submit to us that some of us are failing our tests because we're just trying to be too fancy? You're doing too much. In all three scenarios in Luke 4, in every test of the enemy, Jesus does not get fancy. He sticks to foundational truths and all he says in every three, all three tests is it is written. What it says to us is in our challenges of life and in our wilderness, all you need to do is respond to what is written. Whatever God has said in his word about our lives as believers, just stay right there. It may not look fancy. It may not look a new fashion. It may not get no likes on the page. But if you stay with what's written, everybody is getting excited about new fluffy things. Can I pause to say, can I pause to say, even in the church, can I pause to say, even in the church, there's a lot of trash out here and if you're not careful you're gonna be a garbage can there's a lot of trash out here it's a lot of people said a lot of stuff that don't even line up with what's written I don't care how many followers you got I don't care who goes to your church I don't care who likes you what company you got with if you can't follow what's written so we got people be saying all type of things, twisting the word of God around, coming up with all, I'm telling you, it's out there now. And y'all better be careful 
Yeah, that's why Peter even teaches us, follow me as I follow Christ. I've taught this several times and I'm going to keep teaching it. Follow me as I follow Christ. But the first part of that is you got to know Christ. You can't follow somebody who's following Christ and you don't know Christ. You got to first know Christ first. Then he says, follow me as I follow Christ. It means to me, you, you can follow me in the book. And we got so many, uh, the Bible call them seducing spirits in the body of Christ. We got so many people prophesying. We got false prophets and false apostles and false teachers and liars in the pulpit. They don't care nothing about the people of God. All they care about their success and their platform. Come on, we got some greedy people like dogs. And if you're not careful, they find people who are desperate, find people who are hungry, find people who are vulnerable, and they'll take advantage of you at your worst situation that's why I'm telling you you better know who you are you better know Christ Jesus refers in all three tests I'm not going through all of that in all three tests he refers to what's written even in the final test in Luke 4 the devil comes to him and the devil tries to use the word of God He says, uh, God, he said, God will keep you. Uh, he'll give your angels charge over you. Unless you dash your foot against the stone. Jump down from this building. He said, jump down this building. Meaning, because you're a person of faith, you can take any type of risk. Because you are a person of faith. That's what he tries to say. And so we got people of God doing crazy stuff that God ain't telling them to do because they just think they can drum up some beautiful idea and then tell God to catch them. And the devil love it because now you're an embarrassment. He said the devil take him up on a high pinnacle and say throw yourself down because you know the angel's going to catch you. He said that shall not go back to the foundation that should not tempt the Lord thy God I don't have to be deep here I ain't got to speak a tongue over this I ain't got to go on a 30 day fast I know the word it is written that's the first thing it is written man should not live by bread alone it is written that should not tempt the Lord thy God and he says all these things what I give you if you worship me I give you all of this if you worship me he said, thou shalt not worship only but the Lord thy God, no other would thou serve. And, and then the devil gets behind him. But I'm trying to tell you, listen to this. You can't even take what sounds like the word of God from the devil. Because the devil is the author of confusion. He's already a liar. And if it's the devil, I don't even care if he's trying to quote the word. It's the same thing he did in the Garden of Eden. He said, Eve, come on over here. It's not the fact that you can't take this fruit. Come over here. Let me give you some understanding of the text and what God was really saying. You ain't the truth of the matter is. You ain't got no business talking to him anyway. You ain't got no business having no conversation with him anyway. And the deceiver deceived Eve because he took the word of God out of context. Come on, somebody. We got too many people taking the word of God out of context. Manipulation. Seducing people. Let's go to 14. 
I'm coming home. I'm trying to show you what happened when you have an encounter with God. Let me show you what happened. This is the end part. I'm paralleling with 1 Samuel 30. I hope you've seen it like I see it. David had an encounter with God. He was able to pursue all. He was able to have stamina, emotional intelligence. His head was focused. He was straight. He knew what he was walking in. He got all this stuff because of the encounter with God. Because he was in the presence of God. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee. Filled, I'm reading New Living Translation. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. Normal day, normal stuff they do in the synagogue. He scrolled to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. The, the scroll of the, uh, of the prophet uh, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. This is what Jesus said. Found the place. And he said, Isaiah had already said it in the book of Isaiah. Jesus found the place and Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. <laughs> For he has anointed me. Everybody say I'm anointed. To bring good news to the poor. Now this is a shift. Because everybody else would just read the text as Isaiah's prophecy. Jesus grabs the text and says, this is me. I'm trying to tell you, when you go through the process in his presence, you come out with an anointing on you that you know what you're called to do. Too many of us are living life not knowing our gifts, not knowing our callings, not knowing our purposes, not knowing our DNA, not knowing our grace, not knowing what we are anointed to do. Jesus grabs the text and basically says, hear ye, hear ye, I'm coming out today. I want you to know who I am and this text is talking about me. The first thing he said I'm known to do, I'm anointed to preach the gospel. I'm anointed to bring good news. Everybody say good news. He says I'm anointed to bring good news to the poor. Mm -hmm. He said he has sent me to proclaim the captives be released. I understand that people are in bondage, but my anointing is to help people get delivered. I've been sent me, I've been sent to help captive people be released. That's why I talked on last week. I remind you that the church cannot participate in malpractice. We cannot keep telling people what they're diagnosed with and never move out with the plan of recovery. Uh, steps to help you grow. And it ain't nothing to have to sermon and tell a liar, you a liar. All right, after you tell him a liar, until something else change, he gonna be a liar. The church is majoring in diagnosis only. He has sent me to proclaim the captives be released. The blind will see. See, the blind will see are also not just a miracle of sight to the natural eyes, but there are people who are atheists. They are blind. They need to see. There are people who are what is called agnostic. They don't believe, they don't even believe there's a God that even moves. They don't even believe in faith agnostic. There are people who have all types of beliefs that cause them not to see God. He says, uh, I've been anointed to help people see God and the oppressed will be set free and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which means that the time 
of the Lord's favor has come. I want you to understand, I'm done here, is that God wants you to pray until an anointing come on you. God wants you to stay in his presence till your DNA cannot be hid anymore. God wants you to talk to him about you until he tells you about you and you come out of his presence knowing how to function, knowing what you're called to do, knowing how to win in life. Come on somebody when I found out who I was my money changed. You can say what you want to say but when I found out who I was in the spirit it had an overflow and my income started changing when I found out who I was when I found out what I can do when I found out my gifts and my abilities it began to change who I am I'm pushing today for people to have encounters with God the last verse said he closed the book closed the book Jesus says I'm closing the book he says, look, people sitting there like, huh? After this, they were like, who he think he is? I think I'm everything God called me to be. People like, who, who Jesus think he is? Isn't this the carpenter's son? And see, see, some of us are still in that realm where we spend time trying to justify who we are to everybody. And you waste time. There's somebody else waiting for your gift. While you're sitting here trying to explain to somebody your gift. Some people don't get it till everybody else get it first. Some people don't jump on it. And, and sometimes it's the people you really want to get it the most. That's fine. You can't spend your whole life trying to convince people who just don't want to receive you of your gift. You can't force your love on somebody. You can't force your grace. Come on, that ain't even how preaching of the gospel works. That's why some people are out of order. You can't preach what somebody don't accept you. Jesus was all powerful there's times in this text like when he cast out the devil I'm going to my seat like the Baptist preacher I'm going to my seat and um yeah They're just Jesus himself. There are times that when Jesus cast out Bible scholars, cast out the legion, the man who had many devils, after he cast the devil out the man, the people in the city said, we don't understand who you are. Get out of our city. After he cast the devil out of a man who was crying at night, howling, cutting himself, put chains on him, he would break out the chain. You would think they would say, man, I got a daughter need deliverance. But they didn't understand Jesus. They, they said, you got to leave our city. What did Jesus do? Packed up and left the city. He hit another city and who did he find? He found a man named Jairus who said, they don't know who you are but I know you as master. Can you come to my house? Because my daughter is about to die. And Jesus was on his way to the house of Jairus' daughter. And while he was on the way, there comes a woman who had an issue of blood for 13 years. What I'm trying to tell you is while you arguing with somebody who don't like you, don't like your grace, and like your gift. There are other people waiting on you. There's other people can't wait to see you flourish. There's other people can't wait to see you fly. Tell somebody I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Tell somebody I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Come on, stand on your feet and tell that neighbor, I'm anointed. Cup your hands and praise him.
got abilities. I'm anointed. I'm somebody. I got grace on my life. I'm somebody. I'm somebody. Been through some things, but I'm somebody. Had some hardships, but I'm somebody. Tell that neighbor, I'm somebody. Come on, tell somebody behind you, I'm somebody. Come on, tell them, I, I know who I am. Oh, you better put it. And if you don't know, say I'm learning, I'm learning. I know who I am. Clap your hands, I gotta go home. I know who I am. Today I wanted you to know that we are forgiven and anointed. We are forgiven and anointed. I said it so that people can move out of your past. That's why I use forgiven. I use forgiven because David actually had a process forgiven. It's really not so descriptive in the text. But you have to know that David had to process some things dealing with that big old loss. He had to forgive himself as well. Sometimes if you're not careful, you'll keep calling yourself stupid. Be careful of those words you use to talk about you. Even if you made a poor decision, be careful of keep talking to yourself out of the frustration a failure keep telling yourself you stupid you just dumb make no sense how dumb you are and sometimes there are other people in our lives unfortunately maybe it was a parent who did not bridle their words maybe it was a loved one who didn't bridle their words and in their anger they said certain things to you that has wounded your soul you're not careful right when you go to a place of being down you'll repeat the very words that somebody else said to you they said you were dumb and you stupid but somebody had the audacity out of anger to say you a failure just like your daddy you make you make crazy decisions just like your mama and if you don't know how to reverse those negative words they'll become self-fulfilling prophecies You got to process all this stuff out of your system. God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you and join us again.